It's 17 minutes before 9 p.m. and uh, we now go into uh, our SMME exchange conversation. And as I said, if you indeed you'd like to share some of your stories uh, about uh, any issue that you have in the world of a small business, it might be finance, it might be UIF, it might be payers you earn, it might be your issues with the tax man, uh, you're having challenges in uh, putting up or setting up your VAT registration or whatever. Send through, send it through. And uh, let us know. And uh, we'd love to uh, see how we can use this particular platform to find some answers for you and to get to some form of practical uh, resolution or some form of a solution to some of the issues you face. Today, we're taking a look at small and medium-sized enterprises and uh, procurement. And uh, I'm joined in studio by SMME expert and founder at 2020 Insight, uh, Karabo Mashukhani, joins me in a studio. Karabo, how are you, brother? I'm well, thanks, and uh, thanks for having me. Welcome back, again. welcome back, yeah, welcome back. It's always a pleasure. Thank uh, you. I, know, I know this is not the first time you are here, so so I enjoy saying that at least. Welcome <laughs> back. And I enjoy hearing it. <laughs> sure, yeah. sure. Karabo, we know, you know, uh, certainly over the last uh, while, um, I think the last 18 months, there's been some shifts in procurement that have happened. Um, I recall speaking to uh, people who are representatives of big business, of black business saying they want 30% set-asides. They're looking for um, a way to get even into some of the public sector deals through the form of set-asides. Um, and um, that conversation then quickly morphed to, into what we saw in KZN, where there was a certain interpretation of that procurement rule. Uh, people going on site saying we demand 30% of entire contract value of this particular site. And for me, those, I guess, would be the two polar sides. On the one side, the advocacy by some voices in big business, in uh, black business. And then, of course, this practical application, at a local level. Somewhere in the middle, for me, I often say is the truth and is the big story here. When we look at what we've done to use procurement to build small business, how have we fared? Uh, it, it hasn't gone as well as I think it potentially can. And uh, one of the key, I think, reasons was even the BE codes, which are supposed to promote it the way they're currently structured, uh, was that, you know, you've got categories. A company has to spend uh, 15% of its procurement spend mm. with a company that tends over less than 10 million rand. Now, if you're, if, if the business is doing, is procuring 50 billion, for argument's sake, uh, they're going to have to, you know, it, it, it's a... To do that with small companies is extremely difficult. So that was an impediment. But also what it meant is that if you if you then do have a small company that you're working with, uh, you don't want to give them a large contract because then they graduate out of that and then you've got to find another one. Mm. So what was happening was that companies were preferring if they've got a company that meets that criteria, rather give them small contracts and keep them there and be able to earn the points. So uh, the uh, the last year, the, uh, the BEE, the DTI, released, uh, I think, uh, uh, proposed changes to the codes and they mm. were going to remove that ceiling for, 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 for procurement. And as long as the business was black-owned, as well as also for, for, for enterprise and supply development, that you know th- those businesses could qualify for enterprise and supply development irrespective of turnover. Mm. And what that meant was that now a corporate can actually give a small business a large contract, which a lot of the times is crucial to developing it because sure, without the market sure. access, once you've got the market access, you can then invest in infrastructure, invest in capabilities etc so so hopefully the change will come and we'll start having more effect but what we've seen especially even with government is that to get around this issue they give their large con- their contract to a large entity mm. and then they say subcontract, subcontract yeah, to small businesses mm. which which uh, i mean sometimes it works a lot of the times it's problematic because the, that large business still has to earn its margin and then also you know uh, give something to the small businesses mm. but they don't get i think as 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 uh 
as profitable a contract as they could if they're dealing directly mm. with the with the issue of the contract. When we think about that, I mean, and I want us maybe to hone in in particular on this enterprise development and supplier development component. Mm. Um, is it a, uh, I guess, a matter of once empowered, always empowered? Um, so, so the reason why I ask it like that is because, you know, if I come in in 2015 mm. and I start servicing whatever vehicles for a client, a uh, big entity. Yeah. And in 2020, I realize turnover-wise, I've started to become quite a, a big business. Does that now mean that I must be replaced by that entity and uh, potentially maybe they must find a new supplier? Um, or uh, is it okay to really have, I guess, a long-term and more programmatic and a structured relationship with black suppliers that even, I guess, uh, you know, uh, will go beyond them just being a small entity or even them turning over less than 15 million or even 10 million? Look, I mean, it, it, can't, it obviously can't be evergreen, you know, mm. but uh, I think the challenge becomes what the purpose of that. If you just issue the contract and the company and, and feels that you're insulated from competition, that usually breeds, you know, we know if you've got a monopoly, mm. that breeds some complacency. So I think the key thing there is to have the purpose in terms of this contract is going to be used to build this business in a particular way. So if you've got a specific, uh, I think, target, whether it's the competitiveness or whether it's enabling this business to then invest in new technology to do some R&D because they've got the contract, then it makes sense that you keep it as long as it's required to achieve that the problem is that a lot of the times a contract is issued for compliance or whatever and there isn't an end beyond that and what that does is that it actually lowers then the productivity in the country lowers the standards mm. because if you're insulated from competition why why invest in your improvement why why spend that money rather uh, pocket it so so i think as, as long as we have a clear purpose and uh, i think over time we're starting to see supply development and, and preferential procurement sort of policies and practices mm. start to improve. It's been a slow process, mm. but, but I think that's a key thing. But Karabu, we've heard, I mean, people from the private sector, I think uh, one of the entities was Metropolitan Life. If I, if I need uh, call it, but uh, I certainly recall that one of the big guys in the insurance space came out, you know, a few months ago saying, hey man, this thing actually is yeah, something we encouraged to do and we incentivized to do, especially if you have to do business with government where uh, what level of transformation you have matters in the determination of those contracts. But if, you, if you're if you in a sector like retail where actually you are a business-to-consumer business, you're not doing any work with any maybe other businesses that might require you to be transformed, uh, you're not really doing any work with government, um, is there... I guess, a compulsion for people to transform in the manner that we've just outlined. Uh, because many have come out and said, this is not the law. I really don't have to transform. I really don't have to be buying uh, or procuring from black suppliers. Yeah, I, th- I think that's the truth. But it reflects badly on, on the population, on us. Mm. You know, it says when you go shopping to go buy your clothes, do you bother to ask the, the store what their BE, what their ownership is and that sort of thing, right? And because the public generally don't care, uh, you know, we're not even conscious about buying South African goods, let mm. alone buying from small businesses or black-owned businesses. And as a consequence of that, then those businesses don't feel compelled to do anything. But I think if the public was more conscientized, and and I think we were aware of the impact of every time we spend a rent, what what that rent means and what the potential of that rent uh, mm. is. I mean, I always say, you know, black households in the country spend about a trillion rent uh, annually on goods and services, right? So you would think that with that sort of buying power, 
you could transform the country literally in a couple of years, right? Mm. Uh, but we're not conscious about how or where we spend our money. And as a consequence, you know, nothing happens. We'd rather focus on what government does in their procurement, what corporates do. But mm. when you look at the individual, because the people that sit in the government procurement space and in the corporate procurement space are individuals, right? Exactly. So if they don't practice it in their private lives, uh, in their normal lives, when they get to their office, it's, it's hard to imagine that they're going to Uh, prioritize it uh, in that mm. space. Yeah. Now, Karabo, you know, we, we know there's an entire verification industry and people uh, publish all manner of, uh, I guess, you know, uh, 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 BE status and say, I'm a level what, what contrib- contributor. Now, you probably know that system uh, a bit more th- than us. Yeah. Just briefly explain for some of us who might not be aware of how that system works. When somebody says they're a level one vis-a-vis saying they're a level seven, What does that mean? What, what does that spectrum look yeah. like? So generally, there's about five key elements that uh, businesses have to comply with on, on BEE. Uh, is their ownership. Uh, they have to do is their management and control, which is mm. uh, employment equity. And then also enterprise and supply development, which con- which includes, you know, development support given to small businesses and then preferential procurement. And then the socioeconomic development mm. and skills development. So what the code does is that it measures how an entity is performing. So there's targets set in terms of how much of your procurement has to be to black businesses, to small businesses, etc. How much of your ownership, mm. generally 25 to 28 percent, uh, should be in the hands of black people. And so you're scored along that. And then depending on how you perform and the various things that that the aggregate score is then taken mm. and level one is the best performer and then you have the lowest which is a level eight but below that you have a non-compliant entity which basically just fails to meet uh, the basic criteria okay. the minimum criteria yeah. Karabo let's pause this slightly I just want to take a, a brief a spot break and when we come back uh, we're going to talk about I guess us uh, patronizing and frequenting even those when I'm a level uh, eight and uh, I'm going to take a look at one particular company and uh, I'm going to be doing that alongside uh, Karabo stay tuned The High School Career Expo in association with SABC Education will be running the Student Expo uh, between the 24th and the 25th of May 2019 at the Glen Mall in Johannesburg and on the 31st of May through to the 1st of June at Moy River Mall in Potsdam from 9 a.m. right through to 5 p.m. in the evening. Entry is free and the expo aims to provide students with an opportunity and guidance for selecting their subjects and career path. Prospective students will be able to meet with representatives from a wide range of universities, technicons, colleges and other tertiary institutions. Students can, can also learn how to secure a student loan and bursaries. SABC Education, enriching minds, enriching lives. Five minutes before uh, the uh, top of the hour, I'm in conversation with uh, Karabo Mashukhane from uh, 2020 Insights and we're talking about uh, procurement and uh, uh, small businesses and the impact that that would have. And, you know, Karabo, I'm, I'm glad you, you, I guess, outlined the spectrum for us from the top being level one right through to uh, 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 level eight, which is the lowest that you can get. And then beyond that, uh, one would be non-compliant because you were talking about us even from a retail perspective, going to buy from entities that are either not procuring locally or uh, couldn't be bothered about empowerment. Now, I've got an example here, and uh, uh, I guess uh, those who want to attack me for it will attack me for it. Uh, it is indeed publicly available information, and uh, I want us to take a look at ShopRite Holdings for a second. Now, I'm looking at the uh, BE uh, certificate here for 2018, and uh, of course they say, yes, we are indeed... Uh, an empowering supplier and uh, but what's interesting for me is the final b triple b status that they have they are a level eight 
contributor. So, uh, I suppose it's also a lot of the times you find sectors have got challenges based on uh, the, the characteristics of their center. For mm. example, the automotive sector, a lot of the businesses that are there are international brands. Mm. And, and so you find that retail outlets that sell vehicles have to buy, you know, their bulk of their spenders with these entities, right? And so because they have to buy their vehicles, you can't buy a vehicle from, from anybody. You've got to buy it from their original mm. uh, equipment manufacturer. You find that they struggle to, to, to score on preferential procurement and that normally pushes their score down. So it's one you can't really look at it in isolation. Mm. I think you've got to look at it in, in, in totality, but also look at where they are failings. There's also things that, are, that were introduced, uh, like penalties, for example. So you could do, if you don't reach a sub-minimum, then you, you're dropped a level. So you could find that under normal circumstances, a business that potentially mm. could have been a level seven is now a level eight. So it's very difficult, I think, to, to critique it just based on the, on the, on the in isolation, mm. based on the level that they have. But, but I, I guess maybe, Karabo, the, the question I'm trying to raise from, from a procurement perspective if you look at how much spend a retail entity like ShopRite and I'm, and I'm using ShopRite here as a m- much bigger signifier maybe in a proxy for the retail sector as a whole many of the things that they procure are by and large procured from South Africa so if I think about the fresh produce I think about the meat I think about uh, you know some of the agro-processed foods by and large coming from South Africa and even some of those that are sold in the region by and large come from South Africa however in this instance, it's quite clear that they would get still a level eight. That should mm-hmm. say something, not just when it comes, I guess, to uh, who's sitting from an ownership perspective and even board representation, but even where they are sourcing some of their stuff and whether or not that's coming from black suppliers. Yeah. So, so mm-hmm. I mean, I haven't looked at ShopRite in particular, mm-hmm. but if you look at a lot of the retail stores, they'll have, whether it's food or fruit and stuff, they'll have it marked in terms of the packaging to say mm-hmm. this is sourced from uh, small businesses, sure. from local stores and whatever. And and it, it comes back really to us because these entities, you must remember, the retail outlets are just conduits and they place the goods there. But ultimately, the goods have to move they depend on the consumers. So if, if when I enter ShopRite, for example, if I'm not conscious of what I'm buying and where it's produced from, if I'm buying a T-shirt there and it doesn't say that it's, it's, it's made locally or it's made from a, a BE-compliant business, if we don't demand that, then they won't put that. But if we as a population say we demand to buy, you know, if you look at your washing powder or whatever, is mm. it produced by a small business, by a black-owned business? And if we don't ask for that and we don't look for that and search for it, because once we search for it and it moves, then they're going to want to promote those things because mm. for them, what they need is fast-moving goods. They want the goods sure. that are there to move. So the incentive is for that. So I think it's, yes, there's probably some criticisms there, but we also have to look at ourselves mm, and share sure. the blame as individuals, as South African, as a general population, mm. with the way that we behave and, and how nonchalant we are about some of these things, you know. Uh, and especially in these tough economic times, sure. prices, you know, uh, everybody just focuses on price. If you can get good quality at the right price, I think the transformation things come, you know, it, 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 it falls by the wayside or it comes as a later consideration mm. so so uh, it's really up to us if we are more conscious if we are more activists in our procurement then we can transform these things and these organizations will be forced to then put because they've got to put what the customer requires and what the customer depends mm. and demands let's place ourselves maybe and shift away from us as consumers for a second to uh, maybe us as small business owners mm-hmm. um, and talk about I guess how important an understanding of the procurement rules and understanding of uh, for me, the issues that go into mind for a procurement professional sitting in the public and in the private sector and how as a small business, 
you can be able, I guess, to tailor your proposition and uh, whatever um, approach you make to them uh, to ensure that, look, to say to them, look, guys, if you source from me, it'll be able to assist you in this kind of way. How is knowing some of those procurement rules, I guess, crucial and instrumental in ensuring that you're able to articulate that as part of your value proposition? Look, it's key, but I think most procurement professionals are already sort of aware of that, mm. of the value that they get from buying from a black business or a black women-owned business. So uh, ultimately, I mean, we, we black people, we're more than 80% of the population, right? So so uh, uh, the fact that you are black, yes, I think is an incentive. But if, if there's a thousand of us out there and we're all black and we're selling the same product, you still have to ask yourself, what what is it about your product that must be picked there? So I think even within that, um, you know, I think even as a black business, as a value adding from that perspective, we've got to start thinking about how do I differentiate myself from my competitors, mm. whether they're black or from outside, and, and how do I add additional value to these entities? And I think a lot of the times, some of the small businesses, we stop at just, I'm level one, I'm 100% black owned, and offer, and then give me an opportunity. And it's not, uh, you know, I've got this to offer, plus sure. black owned so there's value added in buying from me so so i think but understandably you know to invest in 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 good products to invest in quality products and in innovative products it costs money so when you're living from hand to mouth then you your resource yeah. like, it's very difficult i think to develop competitive processes but you know business is tough and entrepreneurship is tough and and so if you if you're going to be in in this space whether it's by design or by default i think we've got to understand that that it, it's hard work and you've got to invest mm. in making your customer happy sure. in adding value to your customers and so solving problems for your customers mm. so that you stand out and they are incentivized to pick you not because of your sure. demographic or because of compliance or because of their yeah. good nature but because you actually add value to their business or you're going to enhance their, their offering that they have to their customers. And I think what's nice is that BE gets us a foot in the door. Yeah, um, It's really our job as small businesses to ensure that we stay inside and we continue to add value. Yeah, yeah it, it's just there to remove. We've got a so, we've got racial exclusion in mm. the economy, so BE is there to remove that. But it, you know, to, to and but once once we're all black and we're there, and there's a, then you've got to stand up. You've got to go beyond just the BE credentials. But I think it's it's critical to have it in the economy because mm. we still have serious problems of, of racial exclusion in the economy. And no uh, bigger exclusion in our economy than, of course. Uh, the uh, exclusion of many of those from participating gainfully in uh, the economy, not just as workers, but even as those who are overseeing and running enterprise. Garabo, big thank you to you, my brother. I certainly hope that uh, we are going to see you again back in studio here. Garabo Mashukhani, the founder of 2020 Insights and an expert uh, when it comes to all things uh, empowerment and triple BEE. One minute it is after 9pm. I've started to tow into a centless time. I'm going to leave you in the, with the soulful sounds of a centre this evening. You have yourself a great evening. Take strength. Leave.